Hello, you're listening to Abiding Life Studios. I'm Noah Wells. Today I have me with me, Betty Wells. Hi, Noah. Hello. And on the phone we have Alex Matthew from India. Hi. Hello. <laughs> Hi. And Alex really needs no introduction because so many of us over here have met him, love him already, maybe have read some of his previous books. But I have been working on one of his new books called Life as a Branch, Abiding Thoughts. Alex was kind enough to send us articles on abiding in Christ that he has written over the many years, and we've made it into a book. It's not published just yet, but it's so close we can taste it. And it's such a wonderful book. I so enjoyed putting it together because... I was just blessed all over again with the truths of abiding in Christ and how wonderful our lives in Christ are. And so I'm excited to have it come out. All the supporters will get a copy. And Alex, we understand that you have just finished another book. Yes, yes. And uh, this book, the title of the book is uh, Do Not Write Off the List. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Do not this write off actually, the list. Okay. Yeah. So this actually is uh, my conversation with a house gecko who <laughs> used to come and sit behind my computer. So we started uh, slowly communicating, and somehow this girl, her, her, uh, I gave her the name Betty, that means daughter, and uh, she would start talking to me. I would start talking to her. And then we would stray into all sorts of things, philosophy and uh, theology and psychology and all sorts of things. And finally, we have come out with this book, Do Not Write of the Least. It's trying to say there is nothing so insignificant that we can just uh, write it off. Everything the Lord has created on this earth has a purpose. Everything. That's That's and uh, we would think uh, that, uh, hey, why all this nuisance, these geckos all over the place, and there's mosquitoes, and uh, we might think that all these are uh, <laughs> a problem to mankind. But no, the Lord has taught me everything has a purpose. Amen. And uh, I want to illustrate that uh, with something I see all the time. I stand on the terrace of my home and look eastward, and the whole place is covered with plants, wild plants and herbs and uh, all sorts of plants. What I notice is the green color of the leaf. And as... Uh, Perhaps you know that I am a botanist or I'm a student of botany. And this green in the leaf is because of the chloroplast, the green cells inside, which contains a pigment called chlorophyll. This chlorophyll absorbs the solar energy and uh, with the water and the carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, it manufactures carbohydrates. 
The green plants are uh, the primary producers. They produce food. If green plants do not produce carbohydrates and related things, there will be nothing to eat for all the living animals uh, and uh, all the animal kingdom. That uh, they are the secondary producers and primary consumers. They consume what the plant produce. And I, when I look at the green leaves, I just can't stop praising God. This one pigment keeps the whole population on earth alive. Mm. Mm-hmm. One pigment. Mm-hmm. And, and look at the magnificent, look at the, the, the power of God. With one pigment, he sustains the whole, whole um, living things. I mean, all the animal kingdom. They produce carbohydrates, and we consume that, and we live. And I combine that with the 23rd Psalm. In the second verse, it says, I shall not want, and he leads me, and he makes me lie down in the green pastures. Mm. Green is the sign of sufficiency. Mm. All mankind is provided with food, enough food for everybody, and through this one pigment. And I cannot stop wondering and praising the Lord, Father, thank you for this pigment, Mm -hmm. and we are alive. That's the wonder. And then, you know, when this thing happens, when you see, actually when you see the wonder that the Lord is doing through this one pigment, no one who knows the Lord will be will ever be able to walk away from that glory of God. Everywhere, His glory fills the whole earth, and He has asked me to lie down on the, <clears throat> the bed of sufficiency. Mm-hmm. You have everything. I give you everything. Yes. You know, when that sort of awareness comes in you begin to see things, see in inverted commas, you begin to see things which you don't usually see. You see, if you prick your finger, the blood comes out of it. And the blood is a red color. And the red color is due to one pigment, hemoglobin. If that hemoglobin is not there, I will not be here and I will not be talking to you. Mm-hmm. Again, another pigment sustaining the whole animal kingdom with red blood. And there are such wonderful pigments everywhere. Even in anaerobic organisms, which doesn't use oxygen, but some other uh, um, dirty gases and things, they all live because he has fixed the chemistry and botany for them. I I just marvel. This is my God. Yes. Huh. Giving me everything I need. And then he leads me to the quiet waters. You see, in the quiet waters communicate to me. I give peace. You come to me, I will give you peace. And when you have that type of awareness, you can communicate with anything. 
And this house gecko coming behind my computer and sitting there looking into my eyes, and then the Lord gives me the words through her. She's not actually talking like human beings, but I get into such a frame of mind, I can hear what she says, and I, I just put it onto the computer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, <laughs> perhaps you may not believe it, and perhaps uh, it will be very difficult for you to accept it, but I communicate with Mike. He's gone. It's now almost uh, 90, uh, eight years now. He's gone. Mm-hmm. But at times I get into a frame of mind where we communicate. And in his uh, familiar phrases and words, you know, he tells me things. I have told this to Betty only. Nobody else would believe it. But that's what happens. Mm -hmm. I suspect that when your sensitivity is heightened, you can sense a lot of things that you don't see. Seeing is a sense. Hearing is a sense. Smelling and tasting and touching, these are all senses. Through these senses and beyond these senses, you can sense God where you are. And I have come into an experience, this God, this how do I how do I qualify this God? This God, this God who holds the whole universe in His hand, He says, "I will be a house guest in your home, within you. You are my home. I will abide in you. I am His abode, as He is my abode. As mm-hmm. He is in the Father, He is uh, in me." Look at the wonderful <laughs> union of this, this great, 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 great God is within me through His Son and His Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. You, can't, you can't fail to sense Him. You may not see Him as an object. He's not an object. He has promised to give me His Spirit within me. The counselor, his counselor, that counselor is within me, and this counselor gives me all sorts of ideas. Mm -hmm. He says, just open your eyes and look to see. (laughs) One time the Lord said, you have eyes and you don't see. Mm -hmm. But that's not the case with me. I have eyes, I have problems with my eyes, but still... I see what is not seen. That is something which I am infinitely grateful to the Lord. Yes. So in this gecko, I have seen, uh, I have sensed things happening and we communicate. And what we communicate is not uh, uh, very easy things. This book is not very easily readable. I don't think there will be uh, much great sales for this book. Mm -hmm. But it talks to people who will understand. Mm. 
who will understand the greatness of God and what he can accomplish in poor, insignificant human beings as that we are. But we are not insignificant to him. We are never insignificant because uh, he fills us. And my identity, nobody can shake my identity. I am the president of Talkage Institution. It doesn't mean anything to me because my identity is much greater. As John once says, you know, all those who believed and accepted him, he gave them the authority to be his child. And I'm his child. What more do I want? Mm-hmm. And on top of that, he says, I will come. I am in you. And you know the infinite, un inexpressible strength that gives to a person when he realizes that uh, he is within you. Mm-hmm. We, uh, Mike and I had uh, talked about this on occasions in the past when he, we used to come here. When Mike started uh, his own ministry, before that uh, he was uh, not comfortable you know, working in a, in, a, in a setup and environment in which he couldn't express himself and come out with his uh, ideas. So when we used to talk about he going independent, he first thought about uh, divine discipleship. And then once we have exchanged this idea of the wine and the grapes and the f- branch producing grapes and being in the wine, being in the branch and producing great fruits. And uh, something happened between us (laughs) and uh, Mike uh, was greatly influenced by that idea of abiding. And then from divine uh, divine discipleship he took up a abiding life ministries and you know how much how greatly it has strengthened me and helped me our our uh, interactions mike and i talking on abiding it has uh, you know reinforced our thoughts and uh, gone deep into our being and come to totally believe and trust and uh, uh, acknowledge that the only way to exist on this miserable earth is being in him. There is so much that goes around in the world which should not happen. But it is because uh, people are all concerned with what they can make out of a, of a situation. And uh, for some reason or the other, people act without thinking. Emotions are always up, and they react in, in emotions. That's the doom, that's the bane on mankind. People react without thinking maybe like animals. 
It's not reflex action, but it is considered reaction. I've been trying to make this idea spread a little, by, a little more wider. The act of responding instead of reacting. Responding is always in love. Reacting is always in anger. All the problems in the world is created by man reacting in anger. So that's what the, this poor gecko and I communicate is uh, <clears throat> the foolery of mankind in reacting without thinking. I would not call them, or <laughs> I have no authority to call them anything else, but uh, they behave more uh, in a zoological manner, reacting with the slightest irritation and saying things which should not be said and doing things which should not be done. They do not know responding. Responding is always in love. And remember, through the streets of Jerusalem, the people, the citizens of Jerusalem, they heckled him, hit him, spit on him, and nailed him on the cross and put him up. And they're looking at the humanity in front of him. The first thing he says is, Lord, Father, forgive these people. That's what I call responding. That was in absolute love. There is no resentment, no anger, no anger, nothing. Forgiveness. And if mankind learns to respond, a whole lot of problems that we go through can be contained. But we don't know how to respond. All through you know, except on a couple of rare occasions, he responded everywhere. You see, he, he goes to the woman at the well in John chapter 4. He says, give me a drink. Look at that. Look at that humility. The woman is immediately empowered. And she begins to see things which she has not seen. That's the beauty and wonder of responding. If we can learn the art of responding, oh my God, this world would be a different place. There are all sorts of systems that goes on around in the world. We have one in, in India, they say, act of, uh, the art of living. I may not be taken very favorably and uh, may not be uh, considered right if I say this art of living is a totally subjective art. It's for creating happiness for yourself. That's a subjective art. Happiness, that was the beginning of the end of all dynasties. Look at the Roman Empire. They wanted happiness. They chased happiness to the point they wanted to see people killed and people mauled by lions and tore apart. That was their happiness. 
chasing happiness, getting into a hopeless, hedonistic life. That's what happens when you chase happiness. Hedonism. That will have its own miserable end in time, in, in the Lord's time. Now, all over the world, in many nations, people react and create trouble. Among nations, among people, among political parties, they react and say things which should not be said. And uh, I see more often happening these days, killing is no more uh, a, a problem for people. They enjoy killing people. I don't know. I don't want to go in this on this uh, strain and uh, say unwarranted things or unpleasant things. But as mankind, we need to learn the art of responding in the love of Christ. I should not say the love of Christ. Love is enough because Christ is love. He is love. And if you act in him, live in him, act in him, you will never be sorry. I have uh, certain physical situations and, uh, you know, all the time when I was going through a phase of uh, multiple myeloma, <laughs> bone uh, um, cancer, not even one day I complained. I said, Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord, thank you. And I had such peace through the whole episode of cancer. Mm. And I got out of it, I'm sure, because I remained grateful to him. There's a little, um, little uh, uh, divergence in this, because when I had this cancer, or when it started, I was angry with one man. Oh, unimaginably angry. And I was not able to sleep properly in the night. And so I wrote this man and told him, I have this against you. I am angry with you. Please forgive me for keeping this anger against you. I don't know how he took it, but then I had so much of peace. I went to the Lord and talked to the Lord and said, Lord, I have been angry with this man, and forgive me for keeping this anger. And that anger was resolved. I feel personally assured my cancer started vanishing after that forgiveness. This is the wonder of forgiveness. And I have a very private theory, because the Lord was able to forgive all his tormentors, first thing on the cross, he came up, three, he came up on, uh, on the third day. The resurrection power is, uh, follows uh, the forgiveness. If you forgive, you have a new life. And I am a living witness to that. I forgive and the Lord gave me a new life, healed my cancer. Hmm. So this is, <laughs> this is, these are the sort of things that I discuss uh, with this poor Betty, the, the, the house gecko. Hmm. 
And she is such an inspiration. Uh, unfortunately, I don't see her these days. I think she might have gone. But uh, we had a wonderful time. And uh, as I said, so I do. Even now I have such wonderful time with Mike. He tells me all sorts of things, and we get into uh, theological issues also. So, uh, 85 years and uh, nearly 50 years of counseling has taught me this one great lesson. There is nothing that love cannot solve. Day before mm. yesterday, I talked to the students in the college. There is a little bit of a a tumultuous situation there, and I told the parents there is nothing love cannot solve. Mike used to say there is nothing the presence of Christ cannot, cannot solve. And that is absolutely applicable in the counseling that uh, we do. We, in the sense, Mike and I, Christ the answer for all ills, his love. Heals. His love heals. And the other day, a young man came, three days back, a young man came, he had a problem of alcoholism. And uh, we talked, and uh, he said that I am, as I am with you sitting here, I can give up, but when I go out, I don't know. So then I told him the secret. When, he, when you go out anywhere you go, you are, you are never alone. The Lord is uh, with you. You are never alone. Mm-hmm. Then when he was going away, he wanted to offer me some money. I said, I won't take any money from you. But from today, all that money you would use for alcohol, keep it in one place. And next week when you come, bring all the money to me. <laughs> he, has, he has gone. I don't know whether he will do that or not, but I think he was convinced. And he goes, love, love. I presented the love of Christ to him through my dealings and my my acceptance of him. And I think he has accepted it. Love can solve everything, absolutely everything. And... Uh, I feel confident the little bit of trouble that is brewing up uh, in our institution will be solved. If people choose to react, it will be a mess. If people don't learn to respond in love, every situation can become a mess. That's what I believe. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, the unfortunate part is... uh, (laughs) I don't have many people... Who understand me? Hmm. Uh, I, I, I don't pretend that I'm a, I'm an intellectual or I am a holy person. I'm just a down-to-earth ordinary person, but who has got into this secret of uh, responding in love. Everything, everything. If somebody comes to you with all sorts of anger and wanting to kill you. You know, if the love of Christ abides in you, you'd be able to face any adversary with a smile that the Lord gives. 
and that that generates wonders wonders i don't know whether this little gecko has uh, found that in me the freedom that she took with me the geckos are usually not friendly things mm. they are very shy and they run away but this girl has uh, <laughs> you know she has crept into my hands and uh, and shoulders and when i go to church she says she sits in my pocket <laughs> and uh, uh. she she comes and she tells me about all that happens in the church service once she heard uh, the pastor saying in the, in the liturgy let us say together let's say together the prayer the idea of prayer was not there at all let us say together and she was telling me why didn't the pastor say let us pretend together and <laughs> this, uh, if he could uh, reduce himself to referring to prayer as let us say together he was at, at really at a loss he was pretending that let's pray he was not able to say let us pray so this little little things little insights she gave me and i am the blessed for uh, her company so i say do not write of the list in everything in the list you can see the wonder of his love in the list so when he says that if you give a glass of water to the least of among you you give it to me and i would take it as he is telling me take care of the least man take care of the least not uh, the big uh, powerful uh, leaders and uh, kings the least they are the important ones i love the least and you must know that if i love you you must know that i love the least also <laughs> i am the least and he loves me what a joy to have a god like this what a joy to have this loving god within me mhm filling me enabling me enthusing me encouraging me and get lets me do impossible things impossible in the sense loving the unlovable that's the most impossible thing in the, on this earth love the unlovable mm-hmm. i do not want to be critical but i have people around me by the world standards <laughs> come under the bracket of uh, unlovable and approachable people who are really <laughs> psychologically sick people who have a severe uh, narcissistic personality disorder that's the that's the topmost notch of selfish lifestyle i live with such people 
and I have no problem. I have no problem. I would have uh, created problems uh, in the past, but when this awareness of the Lord in me deepens and grips me, I have no problem with anything. I don't want to say anything about what goes on around here. <clears throat> For all I know, this this communication may be getting recorded somewhere, but I don't want to say anything about anybody other than this one little fact. Love. Love. I, sometimes I wonder why not people discover the beauty of this this love. His love. His love and his love that's so ubiquitous everywhere. The omnipresent, omnipotent, omniscient and omniactive God. This omniactive is a a word that is uh, used to define God by Scott Peck. Nobody has used that omniactive term. You won't even find it in the in the dictionary. Omniactive. He is behind every act that happens. It may be painful. It may be unsavory. It may be uh, uncomfortable for people, but he has a purpose. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We don't see his purpose. People would say that this is all uh, um, rubbish. Um, you are a, a very weak uh, human being. You don't understand things. And uh, uh, because you feel weak, you need God as a, a crutch, and you cling to that, and you say that without uh, God you can't move. No, 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 it's not that. I feel much more stronger than when I was a young uh, uh, person with all sorts of physical energy and strength in me. But I feel much more stronger now, not physically, but within my spirit. I am so strong. That comes out of my weakness, which he has accepted. My weakness. He has turned into strength, the ability to suffer, the ability to go through adversities, and the ability to overwinter (laughs) through these problems. That's what his love does to me, personally. I do not want to make a big uh, um, exhibition of my strength. But I know how strong I am within me. Any adversity, anything, I can. In his love, nothing, absolutely nothing is impossible. That's our God. That's our Christ Jesus. That's my Lord. And uh, I... I sometimes like to exclaim with Thomas when he said, uh, my Lord and my God. He didn't see and he said, I will not believe him. But when he saw him, he said, my Lord and my God. Oh, 
I I feel like I'm there when Thomas said that. That's the only thing I can say wherever I am. My Lord and my God, it contains everything. From this one humble pigment of chlorophyll through which he sustains life. What a great God. My Lord and my God. He leads me beside the quiet water so that my heart will be quiet under all circumstances. Ah, you, there's no comparison. There's nothing the Lord is not giving to you. Every human being, if the sensitivity to sense the Lord in all situations that you are in, you will come to experience that you have a cup that runneth over with love and peace and joy and faithfulness and goodness and kindness and patience and humility and self-control. All this is running over. I shall not want in all these things. I am filled. Not just full capacity, filled to overflowing. We just imagine that. That type of filling. Who can fill you like that? But uh, ordinarily, people are not aware of it. That's what I would say. Increase your sensitivity to sense Him in everything, everywhere, in every thought, every act. Sense Him. And He fills. Sometimes, you know, we are human and uh, we are likely to err. At times, you know, you lose your temper and... Uh, <laughs> you get angry and say things which you ought, you should not have said. And that sort of thing happens, and then of course uh, you have a recourse, and you come back, be on your knees, and tell him, Lord, I have erred. Oh, that gives you a fresh air to breathe when you are able to say, Lord, I have erred. I am weak. Despite your strengthening me, my carnal nature, my human proclivities surface, and I go wrong. So I come to you, Lord, forgive me, receive me back into your fold, and never, 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 never leave me alone. I can't, I can't even for a moment survive without your sustaining strength. And you are a source of joy within me. That's my God. That's the Lord who is within me. That's the Lord who makes me succeed, sustain me all my, in my, all my weaknesses and succeed me and come on top of the situations. You know, we had uh, uh, some floods here in Kerala these days and uh, a whole lot of cattle, cats and dogs and sheep and cows and uh, a lot of, lot of living beings was engulfed by these uh, rushing waters. 
and most of them died. Mm. The papers were all with pictures of dead uh, animals and sometimes human beings and uh, everything goes under the deluge of this rushing water. But I have not seen any report of saying that a duck drowned in these floods. <laughs> a duck don't drown, get drowned in the flood. I teach my children, ask my children, why is that we don't see a report that no duck has died? And they say that they, they, can, um, um, they can float on water and this and that. And I ask them, what makes them float on, on water? And uh, sometimes they try to answer me something, and I tell them they have the buoyancy to remain above water. So that's the buoyancy I have. The Lord has given me his spirit and given me the buoyancy to be above my situation. No situation will subdue me. No situation will, be take, will take me under it. I will remain above my circumstances because the Lord fills me with his Holy Spirit, which gives me buoyancy to be above my situations. That is the advantage of a person who abides in him. And in him who he abides. Once he comes into me, I'm top of my situation. No flood can take me away. No angry human being or no wild animal will take me away. Even wild animals, I tell you. I can face them in equanimity and in love and uh, nothing will happen. Yes, I'm getting old, I'm getting physical problems and that, and I have, right now I have uh, rheumatoid uh, arthritis and I take uh, painkillers. Uh, these are all natural processes which uh, <laughs> I have to accept and be thankful. Lord, thank you. Even so, my circumstances will not take me down and uh, make, me, make me drown in the onrush of all, anything that may happen around me, I will remain above my situation. And I will rejoice in the fact that I am above my situation. Circumstances will not destroy me. So uh, <laughs> sometimes uh, that's the sort of thing that uh, Mike uh, tells me. Hey, come up above the flood. Be above your situation, and you know you have you are light enough to be above your situation. You 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 don't have to get burdened by what others do. That's their problem. You don't buy their problems and make it yours, and flow with them in the rush of events. <laughs> you stand apart. You enjoy whatever is going on. If you can try to help them, if they want your help, help them and take them with you above their situations. People allow their situations to, you know, to drown them. Mm. It's their own creation. Mike, Mike tells me at times, 
You know, you know what these problems are? People create their own problems. And when uh, he, he was doing counseling in uh, January also, he would say that these people who come for counseling, poor people, they don't understand. They create their own problems. And when we confront them, they are not willing to accept it. But if the confrontation is in love, sooner or later they might see that they are creating their own problems. In everywhere, in any time people come to you for counseling, they are coming to find fault with others, somebody else. I am like this because of what the others have done. A daughter-in-law talking, probably talking about her mother-in-law and the mother-in-law or the daughter-in-law. And all these things, all these sufferings, they create. Everywhere, human beings are very good in creating their own problems. And if, if you just notice that very carefully, you can see the dynamics of the development progress of the problems that people create. But uh, you need to have the gentleness and patience and forbearance of the Lord to put it across to them. That's counseling. <laughs> That's what counseling, what uh, Mike says that. Uh, you see that? These people, get it across to them. In uh, official uh, counseling language, that means uh, personalizing the problem. That personalizing is a, is a point in which after which the people will not come back to you for counseling. They don't want to take the burden on up the, on up the responsibility that they have created their problems. And that's a very difficult stage in counseling, personalizing. Oh, 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 I have contributed to this. Most people do not have the strength to say that. And they go back on it. Fear grips them, and uh, they are looking for scapegoats to put their problems on others and say that they are responsible for uh, the, uh, the problems that uh, these complaining people go through. But anyway, I think I have rambled uh, a lot outside the scope of this book, but all these, all these thoughts come in uh, the book, uh, Do Not Write Off uh, the Least. The earlier book was uh, uh, Who Stole the Cookies? Uh, that was a very light reading, very little, very simple stories of people who come for counseling and they create a situation in which they don't have any answers. So I tell these stories to my readers and ask them, what do you think? How can this situation be solved? And I give them opportunity to think, think through, and find out. If uh, the person is serious about thinking and looking into their problems, they would see that uh, it's only the love that can take them out of their situations. Love is the answer, but I don't say that it is. 
But I hope people would discover who stole the cookies is a, a, a blame-shifting uh, uh, rhyme. In the nursery schools, we learned that rhyme, who stole the cookies, who, me, oh, no, not me. Betty stole the cookies from the cookie jar, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. So it's always passing the buck. That's uh, the sort of thing that uh, happens in our counseling situations. So I started writing these books, and uh, because these questions, uh, the people who read it may find it inconvenient or difficult to answer these questions, and they don't find any answer there. I have not given any clue for the answers there. And it was my hope they will find that the all-encompassing love can take these suffering people out of their situation. I don't know how many have, may have got into that uh, line of thinking, but my idea was this, and uh, people are not uh, really comfortable to think. The Lord has given... Uh, one and a half kilograms of brain in everybody's uh, head, but they don't want to use it. They want to use the emotions much more than the capacity to think. Mm -hmm. uh, and maybe because of that, the book uh, <laughs> is not selling like hot cakes, I suppose. Uh, but those who want to think will certainly be benefited by that. A sequel to that is uh, to Who Stole the Cookies is a Who Me, the second. I have sent it out to the printers to publish it, but they are not very keen. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Maybe because the sales of this book is not very profitable to them, but uh, that sort of thing happens, you see. <laughs> we see everything runs around business and money and gain. Everybody wants to gain something. You know, I like to use a word ordinarily. I very often use that when I, in my teaching and in my writing, I use this word ordinarily. Ordinarily. Human beings do not want to burden their brains with thinking. I mean, the scientists and uh, the, 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 the group of people who are thinkers and all that is different. With uh, That's what I say. Ordinarily, everyone is looking for gain. What is it that I can get from this? Profit, gain, feeling good. Everybody ordinarily wants to feel good. And for that feeling good, they are willing to do anything. <laughs> Just before you called me today, I was uh, writing the definitions of the four different types of love. Hmm. Stroge, or what we call the patting love. And then... Uh, uh, the erotic love, 
in which the, the patting love is something you appreciate something and say, oh, yeah, 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 I love this, this, this cell phone, yes, <laughs> I love this. <laughs> yes. But when you snatch that cell phone and keep it for yourself, that love is erotic love. I want it, and I love it, I want it. That is eros. Erotic love is the cause of all sorts of violence and sadness and killing and raping. All this happens in uh, erosis. Mm. I have mentioned in my book, you know, you don't have this phenomenon there in uh, the United States, but uh, if a she-goat is walking through the road somewhere, and a ram comes around and he jumps on her. He doesn't care whether he is uh, <laughs> troubling her or whether she wants it or not. It doesn't matter. I, you know, I want, I give, I'll get it. And that is what we call rape. This rape is on, on different levels. In counseling, this rape happens. And that is, uh, you know, the typical example for that is uh, uh, hypnotism, hypnotic. You hypnotize a person and tell that person to say what she doesn't want to say. Raping the person intellectually and getting out from that person what she doesn't want to give. That's intellectual rape. The poor idiot Mesmer has come out with that and, uh, you know, even today, even today, 21st century, People are following this stupid manner of counseling, hmm. hypnosis. Yeah. And of course, uh, after that, uh, Freud came following uh, this fellow, and uh, he also wanted to put this people, the people who come to them in a sort of... Uh, uh, trans and get information from them with infinite patients, classical psychoanalysis. That's what uh, <laughs> Freud has uh, uh, started. Yes. But the unfortunate part is even today, in the 21st century, people are following what we call the neo-Freudianism to help people saying that what is in the subconscious is bothering you. Actually, id and uh, ego and superego and subconscious, these are all personal ideas that mes uh, this, uh, um, Freud had. But those are his personal ideas. The poor fools, unthinking people, took that up and made a theory out of it. It's not a theory. It's not repeatable. It's not uh, predictable. And they say this is a, a science. When the whole uh, gamut of uh, psychology is not a science. It's um, all personal opinions. Everyone who came after Freud has come out with his modification and his personal thinking. You can't help people with that type of fooling. Only love heals. Amen. Healing comes from the healer. Amen. Not from, <laughs> not from, uh, yeah, you know, misguided uh, psychology. 
I've, I've studied psychology for 14 years and then practiced it all these years, and I have come to the inescapable answer. Healing comes only from the hela, not Amen. from psychological abracadabra. No, 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 yes. no. Yeah. And that's no. what we love about you, Alex, is that you are deep in Christ, and you have so much to share with all of us. And that is what we love so much about you, and even the fact that Christ is in us and we are in him definitely, that we all have so much to gain from him. <laughs> so we thank you so much for your time today, Alex. Yep. And the new book will be on AbidingLife.com, the one that you uh, were my new b- the book that will be published here in the U.S. Life oh, as yeah, a branch, yeah, yeah. <coughs> life as a branch, uh-huh. abiding thoughts, will be <laughs> available in in book form for now. Later, we could possibly put it on Kindle, but for now, it will be available yeah, yeah. in book form. Okay, Perfect. once it gets published, Praise Lord. very Praise soon. The Lord. We hope. Thank yes. you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much, yes. ever so much. Thank you, thank My you love so you. much. Love yes, you. thank you for your hips, wisdom. Hips, hips, hips. Love you. Yes. Okay. Bye. <laughs> okay. Bye. 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 Bye, Alex, and Bye, thank Alex. you. Uh, thanks, thanks so again. much for your thank time you. and thank everything. You. Okay. Yeah. Love you. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Goodbye. Again, this is uh, Noah Wells with Abiding Life Studios. You're listening to Alex Matthew um, really just talk about God in us and recognizing God in everything and Him walking with us. So we were all really encouraged. Betty, do you have anything to add to that? I just was so happy not to interrupt him and let Alex flow because (laughs) he has so much to share with us in the life that the Lord's given him. So I was very happy for our time with him. Yeah, it was a it was a great time, and um, thanks for listening. <laughs>